Hello. I'm Christopher Ward. <laughs> Hi, Christopher. I'm Tom Joking. We are Famous, famous Lost, Lost Words. words. <laughs> da, 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 da. I, we had to do that once. For sure. Can we now say that it's over and we'll never do it again? Uh, sure. You know okay. what? I can never promise that I'm not going to chant or do a, a <laughs> saying or break out into song like sky rockets in flight. Like I yeah. cannot promise he has, that. By the way, he has his hands in the air as we speak, <laughs> just so you know. In the air. <laughs> we got a lot of good stuff today, Tom. Well, we sure do, Christopher. We're covering a lot of eras. And first of all, we're going to go back to 2003 with an interview with Pink. Now, it's hard to imagine that Pink actually goes back 15 years, but she even goes back farther than that. Her first big hits came in around 2000. Her big breakout with Get the Party Started and Don't Let Me Get Me came in 2001 with Misunderstood, which, by the way, is a phenomenal pop album with a ton of edge and she talks about that album in this interview and her work with Linda Perry who's a great singer-songwriter performer and producer and collaborator right <laughs> uh, with Pink on that album but she didn't work on the present album the one that we're talking about for 2003 called Try This it's a great interview there's so much about this interview that's a lot of fun and there's moments where you're going going wow she is really wild and then we're going to play a clip from just a few months ago where she's almost a completely different person, but you can see parallels to both people. It's very yeah, interesting. You can see the connection, and this is a wonderful clip, so hang in sure this is. one. The, That's right. The current one. Also, Christopher, coming up, boy, it was August 16th of this year, just a few weeks ago, when we lost Aretha Franklin. And, of course, I went scouring through our archives to see what I could find. So far, I've only found one segment with her, but it's actually really good. And we're going to hear from that in honor of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. And then, as I'm sure you all know, because I'm sure everyone is celebrating in their own way, it's the 40th anniversary of Greece. Wow, I'm getting chills, and they're multiplying right now as we speak. <laughs> well, when I mentioned this to a family member who will remain unnamed, she said, Really? My friend is in Athens this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so, so they think here's to Greece. the Acropolis, the Parthenon... And Sandy Olson. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so funny. True story, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so this is an interview with Pink from 2003 upon the release of the album Try This. And I want to say, first of all, special thanks to Taylor Kay, who did the original interview. But Taylor was in the background, so you can't really hear her. Uh, but we'll set up Pink's comments. And one of the reasons why we do that is sometimes we only need the interviewee in the in the conversation we actually don't need the interviewer because we're just running clips right and that's kind of what's happening today but i feel badly because taylor is a an integral part of this conversation she wrote wrote the question so i want to give her a shout out or we love the sound of our own voices exactly it's one or the other <laughs> so she was born alicia moore but she thinks the name pink suits her just fine i think that's that's the beauty of the, the fact that my name is pink people you know look at it as a soft color but i think it's actually a strong color and it does represent girls. And um, I just, it was just a nickname that has become so much more than it was ever supposed to be. There's so many ways I got the name. There's like four different stories floating around, and they're all true. <laughs> okay. I want to know the rest of the stories, don't you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, her big breakthrough came from the album Misunderstood 2001. And as I was saying just a few minutes ago, that Misunderstood album is so good with Get the Party Started, Don't Let Me Get Me. My favorite. A, a couple of other great hits, but also even the album cuts are just excellent, including the title cut Misunderstood. They're so fun. But the thing about Pink is she not only writes fun songs, 
but she's got a lot of she's got quite an edge to her, and we'll hear a lot of that edge in the next few minutes. But also, there's a lot of guts to her music, and the the songs to her and the lyrics to her are really meaningful. So it's funny she's a party girl, but she's got real depth to her. Well, she has the nuances in her voice to be able to carry all of that off, right? I think. And, of course, teaming up with singer-songwriter-producer Linda Perry was a great thing for her for the album Misunderstood. And let's listen to that. Um, with Misunderstood, when me and Linda's universes collided two years ago, it was like a thunderstorm, and we had a child, and that was misunderstood, and it was a very um, volatile relationship between the two of us. But it was just blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it was just really emotional. With this one, it was... With Tim, it was a little lighter. It was kind of, you know, let's just have some fun. Let's rock out for a minute. The thing people have to understand about me and Linda is that when me and Linda met, we were all that was going on in our li- in each other's lives, you know? These days, she's the number two producer in the country. She's got a lot going on. She's got a record label. It just wasn't the same. And, and then you have to realize that we're like sisters. So, of course, we're going to fight. We love each other to death. We hate each other just as much as we love each other. No one can ever take away what we did from either of us. And, you know, we fight. So as I was saying, you know, she's kind of a wild child. And this is a great interview because she's still kind of in that wild child phase. And I believe that's still part of her being. But she has really changed in the last few years, especially, you know, becoming a mom. But she got into a, a bit of trouble with the law when she was a teen. Oh, just the dumb stuff. Disorderly conduct. Indecent exposure. Shoplifting. Uh, running away a lot. <laughs> well, it was all before I was 18. It's nothing serious. <laughs> it's all off the record. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a lot of trouble. Okay. And so, how does Pink prepare for a night of partying? Because you want to know. Yeah, I do. Start with tequila or some Frangelica. If you want to start it slow, you go with Frangelica. If you're already ready to party, you go with the tequila. Then we're going to get dressed and have a dance party. We're going to dance around to Outkast and um, and me. <laughs> Enough about me. Let's play more of me. Yeah. Then we're going to put our makeup on and do each other's makeup. And then we're going to put our jewelry on. And then we're going to stand in front of the mirror and be tough. And then we're going to take Polaroids and make sure everything's fine. <laughs> Keep it all together. And then we're going to get in the car and go. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Man, she's got a very specific recipe, too. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. Like, I don't have a recipe. For partying? No. It just happens, right? No, I just found out about pre-drinking, for God's sake. I could save a lot of money. I start pre-drinking now. Yeah, my daughter talks about pre-gaming. Is that <laughs> yes, it? So, yes, it's pre-gaming. the same thing. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. And here, she's a big animal lover. She worked with PETA around the time when, yeah. this, uh, when this interview was done. Here she talks about her pets. I had six dogs and two rats, two mice, um... But being on tour all the time, my dad adopted changed his name to Fred. And um, uh, my dog Corky, who if you watch the video, there's a a grave, and that's my dog. He died this year. And uh, Nanny and Bailey, my two junkyard dogs. Foxy and Eddie, Pitbull and a Bulldog. And then um, Thelma and Louise, my rats. Salt and Pepper, my mice. They were... Uh, my friends adopted them, and they're being very loved right now. That is so touching. I know. And we had to bleep <laughs> As a dog it. owner, I can't, you know. Did you notice we had to bleep out the, one of the names of the dogs? Yes, I yes. saw that. <laughs> I think the ones call him now Fred. Anyway, so the story of Pink and motocross racer Carrie Hart 
is kind of a complicated one. They met in 2001. They broke up briefly in 2003. Remember, this interview is from 2003. And she started talking about him. And then, of course, we were interrupted with something completely different. Yeah, he's kind of shy, even though he's like kind of a star in his own world. He's cute that way. Where'd you guys meet? At X Games. It's like this um, extreme sports contest. My friend introduced us. Starbucks is here! Woo! Now I can be a crack monkey for the rest of the day. I never drank coffee before in my life ever until two months ago. Why did you start? I was really tired and hungover, and I had to do a 10-hour photo shoot. So I was like, oh, screw it. But I just drank it, and I got through the photo shoot, and everyone loved me. <laughs> so now I drink it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing here holding my cup of coffee, you hoping sure that, <laughs> that it rubs off on me. Yeah, really, you need another swig. I'm just going to tell you yeah, that now. Thanks. <laughs> so we asked Pink what guys expect her to be like when they date her. Oh, they expect her to be super wild, total rock star diva. You know, don't wait in any lines. Do you know who I am? Throwing money around, bitter, angry, man-hater. Then they figure out that I'm a total down-to-earth puppy dog that just wants free drinks and love. (laughs) She is one funny woman. She really is. She really is, and she's like that on stage. I'm going to talk a little bit more about her in concert in a few seconds. I want to hear, because I've never seen her live. So she was still pretty noncommittal about Carrie Hart when we asked about him. I consider this person like a really good friend, and we just like to have fun, and we get in trouble, and life goes on, you know, and sometimes I don't think I'm in love. Do you, have you ever thought of marriage? Thought about it. I don't really know what marriage means to me anymore. You know, I've seen my parents and all my friends and friends' parents, and it's, the institution of marriage is gone, you know, the sacredness of it. It's too easy to get a divorce. You might as well just be together and work it out. You know, that's why I respect Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell so much because they're just so freaking in love and perfect. And they don't need a piece of paper between them to prove that. It's sickening, isn't it? I love that. And the whole ring, the materialism, like I own you because I have a ring on your finger. Nah. If I was going to, you know, do the whole marriage thing, I'd get the name tattooed and then I could chop their finger off if they ever did me wrong. (laughs) Instead of taking the ring back, I'm taking the finger. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's not only going to take the ring back, she's taking the finger, too. man. (laughs) Let's get to some more, uh, you know, deeper stuff as Pink talks about songwriting. I wake up every morning scared that I'm not going to be able to write a song, that I'm going to have nothing to say or no inspiration is going to come because, I mean, I've never considered myself a songwriter. I have no formula. Sometimes I write in the bathtub. Sometimes it takes somebody picking up a guitar and plan a note but thank god it always comes you know i always have something to say do you ever get that feeling christopher where you don't know where that next song is coming from and you're afraid maybe the well has run dry i think that's part of being a creative person is that fear that you know the creative police are going to come knocking on your door and arrest you for not being talented after all these years (laughs) or that literally you've written your last song Mm -hmm. the well is dry there is nothing left to say right and you're going to come up empty yes and it's that in a way, it's that fear that kind of drives the creative process in some ways. Like if you're getting together with somebody and you're looking forward to collaborating with them and you feel like i got to bring my best game here today, um, 
it's it's easy for that feeling to kind of take over the session for sure if you let it and when you go in to work with someone else you obviously have to have a game plan i remember hearing chad kruger of nickelback of all people says when he's just writing for himself in the band he's you know he's riffing he's just having fun but when he's teamed up with someone and they plan to meet he has a game plan going in do you feel the same i way? would think with chad in particular yes because mm-hmm. In fact, I would guess that he's probably a control freak <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because his music is so structured. Mm-hmm. I mean, those songs, it's like no bar is out of place right. in those compositions, yeah. which I, I admire. Yeah, for sure. So, back to Pink. And not surprisingly, when you really think about it, a real inspiration for her was Janis Joplin, and she talked about that. I just love, I've always been attracted to her pain and her wittiness and her charm. And, you know, she's so smart and so funny and so real and honest and raw and just tormented. And I just relate to her. I love her and I love her voice. And I love that, you know, when I came out with my first sound, I was like, what is this white girl singing R&B, you know? And I was like, I'm just doing what I do, you know? I'm just doing what I do. I love to sing. This is how I like to sing right now. And with her, it was at a time where weren't too many, you know, white girls singing soul music, and she was doing it. That's right. She was doing it back then. That R&B thing that Janice had going on and that wild child personality, she sure had that. And you can see that in Pink, for sure. So, what would Pink do if she had her own radio station? If I had my own radio station, I'd play every format under the sun. It would be the radio station that plays everything. There would be no discrimination involved. Anybody called up wanted to hear anything, I'd play live stuff, I'd play old live stuff, I'd play Phantom of the Opera, to Billy Joel, to Guar, to Metallica, to Pink, to Britney Spears, damn it. I'd play it all. Ah, she'd have a podcast called Famous Lost Words. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she just mentioned Britney Spears there. And it all started, this whole thing about a feud with Britney Spears all started with this line from one of her songs. Side of being compared to damn Britney Spears. She's so pretty. That just ain't me. So that's from Don't Let Me Get Me. That's a great line in the song. And of course, the press picks it up and they think they're feuding. And even years later, the feud with Britney and Pink comes to an end, and you're going, yeah. it's not a feud. If you listen to the song, it's, you know she's not cursing Britney. She's not dissing her at all. That's right. It's not a feud-worthy uh, lyric. So, Pink, what's up with that feud? But I wasn't dissing Britney. I was just saying, stop comparing me to her. We're different people. And she knows that. We were just hanging out the other day talking about it. The what? media loves to pit women against each other. That is the thing to do. They don't do it with the men. Well, the men do it to themselves, really. (laughs) I mean, really, men wage war with other men. But the women just leave us alone. Like, God, can't we just support each other? If we don't like each other, of course, it's it's like the world is like high school. You're not going to like everybody, but damn. And although now she's a very devoted mother and advocate, 15 years ago, 24-year-old Pink was still quite the partier. I really don't know how to act civilized sometimes. Especially after a hard day's work and we get a couple drinks in me. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> I have famous, famous fun barbecues. Like, People end up naked in my pool. The American Idol girl. <laughs> she comes over, hi, takes her clothes off and jumps in my pool. Go, girl. Billy Idol showed up on uh, him and like four dudes on motorcycles, and I didn't know who it was because he had been to my house before because Steve Stevens plays on my record. 
And she shows up, and I go, I run and get Laura. I'm like, Laura, Hell's Angels just pulled up outside my house, and I didn't invite any, and I'm really scared. <laughs> but I feel really cool right now, and I hope the, na- the neighbors are watching. So these dudes walk into my house, and I'm like, because Billy walked in last. I'm like, hi, who are you? And they're like, oh, hey, my name's so-and-so. I'm with Billy. I'm like, Billy, Bob, Billy, Joe, Billy... Oh, okay, Billy Idol. What's up, dude? Sign my wall. We played ping pong, beer, uh, beer pong. I don't remember most of that part of the day, but <laughs> it's fun. Okay, are you wondering who the American Idol person was that ended up naked in her pool? You know, I kind of am. <laughs> Do you know? No, I don't. Uh, like I'm just like it, like research. Like is it Kelly? Like what's going on here? Is Kelly, you know, floating around naked in uh, in Pink's pool? You know, anyway, I don't want to think about these things. Okay. So we see that side of Pink from 15 years ago. She's wild. She's kind of unbridled. But I want to get you caught up, and I want to end this segment with my favorite Pink moment of all time. And boy, she made headlines and went viral with this speech. She gave a speech last year at the MTV Awards as she accepted the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. It's a couple minutes long, but it's amazing. It shows a couple of things, how much she grew up in the years since the interview we just heard, and what a strong voice for women and girls she has become. Have a listen to this. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, recently, I was driving my daughter to school, and she said to me, out of the blue, Mama, say yes, baby. She said, I'm the ugliest girl I know. And I said, huh? And she was like, yeah, I look like a boy with long hair. And my brain went to, oh my God, you're six. Why, where is this coming from? Who said this? Can I kick a six-year-old's ass? Like what? (laughs) But I didn't say anything. And instead I went home and I made a PowerPoint presentation for her. And in that presentation were androgynous rock stars and artists that live their truth, are probably made fun of every day of their life, and carry on and wave their flag and inspire the rest of us. And these are artists like Michael Jackson and David Bowie and Freddie Mercury and Annie Lennox and Prince and Janis Joplin and George Michael, Elton John. Um, so many artists. There was, it was, her eyes glazed over. Um, but then I said, you know, I really want to know why you feel this way about yourself. And she said, well, I look like a boy. And I said, well, what do you think I look like? And she said, well, you're beautiful. And I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> but I said, when people make fun of me, it's, that's what they use. They say that I look like a boy or I'm too masculine or I'm too, I have too many opinions. I, my body is too strong. And I said to her, I said, do you see me growing my hair? She said, no, mama. I said, do you see me changing my body? No, mama. Do you see me changing the way I present myself to the world? No, mama. Do you see me selling out arenas all over the world? Yes, mama. Okay. So, baby girl, we don't change. We take the gravel in the shell and we make a pearl. There you go. Isn't that extraordinary? That is such a powerful piece of inspiration to young women and girls everywhere. I love that. Yeah. That's a great clip, Tom. Thanks mm-hmm. for bringing that one. Now, I know you've seen her live, and you mentioned that she uses that clip as part of her show. So what she does is she actually starts her concert with that speech, but you don't see her making the speech as you would if you YouTube that uh, that speech. So just the audio. So all you hear is the audio, but then they animate it. 
So they put animated characters in it, and it's partly, you know, like really kind of blown up versions of Pink and her daughter. And it's very Mm. funny, but it's also really powerful. So it makes you laugh while she's saying these powerful things. And, you know, I've seen a lot of concerts over the years. I go back to, you know, the early 70s with my concert going experiences. You go back a little farther than that. I know Mm. you were at the, the Rock and Roll Revival concert in 1969 with John Lennon and and you've, you've seen so many shows, and so have I. And, you know, I can list off some of my favorite shows of all time. Springsteen in 84, Paul Simon in, in uh, 87 or 88, U2 in 91. But I got to tell you, Pink in 2018 was probably the best show I'd seen in 10 years. I've seen a number of shows. I don't see as many as I used to, but she was incredible. She sings really well. Now, I know there are times when she's been on TV or... Uh, or on other performances where her voice hasn't been great, she was right on the money. But she wasn't perfect. She was right. she was great. Like she was, you could tell she was singing live because she wasn't nailing every single note. But she was singing the way a good rock singer or a good pop singer could sing. And she's got rock and roll in her blood. Yeah. So she's doing the song these songs that are often very danceable. And then of course she's hanging from like she came out. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about, because I've never seen her live, but I did see the Grammy Awards. I think it was twenty ten. Yeah. The opening she did. Yeah, she got that's it was called jaw droppingly great. Right. I think that was called Glitter in the Air. And that's one of her greatest performances ever on TV. Mm-hmm. But she does that to start her concert every night. And within a few days wow. she'd gotten like she wasn't feeling well when she did uh, the show and she actually had I believe had to cancel her show in Montreal uh, just a few nights later to know that she was sick when I saw her and she was as extraordinary as she was she's so energetic she's so passionate the up-tempo songs were like moving and and you just wanted to get up and dance for the whole time and then the slow songs and the ballads were so powerful there weren't too many bathroom break songs in that set and she did a cover <laughs> she did a cover of uh Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Oh, yeah. And she did a cover of No Doubt's Just a Girl. And I got to tell you, that was the highlight of the show. And I I really like Pink's music. She's not one of my top 20 artists of all time, but her songs I actually like on the radio. I think she brings some power and some guts to sometimes an otherwise soft or anemic top 40. I think she brings that. (laughs) Uh, So she was just excellent and i would highly recommend it she's still on the road for uh for a few more weeks and months i think so Ah, go see her you know tom i was driving around in la as one does (laughs) listening to my favorite radio show morning becomes eclectic what that's the morning music show on npr radio and i heard a song that i knew i knew but i couldn't remember whose song it was right a little more love sounded as fresh as today, and it was being performed by Juliana Hatfield. She's an indie rock darling. She was in a band called the Blake Babies, Juliana Hatfield 3, the Lemonheads, etc. Um, and she did a tribute album of 13 Olivia Newton-John songs. No way. Mm-hmm. And it was not done tongue-in-cheek at all. She did it with great affection. I mean, when you hear a remake of Physical, you think, mm-hmm. really? But by the end of it, you're like... Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I've got the headband on, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Olivia's back in the news this year for a number of reasons. The 40th anniversary of Greece being one of the big reasons. That's right, for sure. So it was right around the time of Greece coming out in 1978 that this interview was conducted. At that time, I don't know if you remember, but the charts were very, very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Olivia, though, talks about one of her fellow Aussies who'd managed to break through. When I first started, um, Helen Reddy was about the first to break it, and 
she was telling me that they wouldn't play two women even in the same show, often the same, you know, three-hour show or something. But now, it's healthy. The more competition there is, the healthier it is for everybody else because it makes you stay on your toes and the standard has to be good. And I think it's only fair because I think there are, obviously there are just as many talented females as there are guys, but it used to be that men got all the attention. I really don't know why that was, but... I'm glad it's changing. It's because the men ran the industry. It could be that. And uh, also because they, I think they used to think that that uh, little girls were the ones that put the records and little girls only liked guys. But little girls like female stars too. And there are also a lot of young guys that buy records. And I think they were overlooked for a long time. And uh, kids like people who, they just like their music. It doesn't really matter if they're male or female, apart from the few idle people they have, you know. Do you ever feel, uh, do you ever, have you ever felt picked on in that respect? In what? Uh, and that uh, maybe somebody might not play uh, one of your songs or uh, uh, one of your friend's uh, songs who were female uh, just because you were female? No, I think I'm lucky. I, I've come along in the era when that wasn't the case anymore. I think they play it if they don't like it, but I don't think it's anything to do with my sex, no. Isn't that interesting? And you know, I know a lot of radio stations didn't play. They certainly would never play two female artists back to back. And that's true. That's I forgot. Absolutely that. true. Isn't that remarkable. And, you know, I you know I started in in this business in the in the early '80s, and I know it was true back then. And I thought it was ridiculous, especially if the songs were good. Who cared? And there was no lack of talent in the with the female artists, and they had to be they had to be separated by 15 minutes. Like it was. Utterly ridiculous. I can't even believe that a policy no. like that existed. Yeah. But remember, there were also kind of quotas in effect at labels uh, regarding the signing of female artists. Because mm-hmm. I remember like looking for a record deal for Alana. Mm-hmm. And the kind of you know early message I got was, well, we already have a female artist. Yeah. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, huh? Anyway, some of her earliest hits really defied categorization, and she had to deal with the reaction to that. I sort of think of myself as a, just as a singer. Other people would disagree, but that's what I like to think. And uh, country's just a uh, part of that. And country's just a part of the music that I do, but I'm not strictly a country singer. I never, I never claimed I was. But I love country, and I love, I guess I was drawn to it because of the, you know, the music is very simple and basic, and the... Lyrics are usually very straight to the heart, I think. Did you listen to a lot of uh, a lot of country uh, country music, uh, that sort of thing, in Australia? Not well, not that I was aware of. I mean, to me, it was just another form of music that I liked a lot. And uh, my father sent me pe- albums by people like uh, Tennessee Annie Ford and things, but that was just for me, just an, another style of music. And until I came to America, I really wasn't aware that country was such a different thing you know the country chart and the pop chart and I, I didn't quite understand it at all especially when they told me I had a hit in the country chart and I wasn't a hit in the pop chart I didn't know what they were talking about I now know the, the difference but it's just good music to me yeah that is interesting but it is interesting to note how country a lot of her music was you know uh, what, what were the songs if you love me and 
Let me be there. Oh my God, those were great songs. Let mm. me be and make it right, make <laughs> it right. Oh yeah, those are country. Oh, <laughs> those are country songs by Olivia Newton-John. And yeah. you know, looking back now, people who only know her from Greece and and for the song Physical, they're going, "What? She was a country artist?" Yeah. But she was. She was you know more country than even Taylor Swift was when Taylor was a country artist, right? So well, I remember. I think I played her very first single when I was working in radio while I was going to college in Peterborough, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, a cover of a Bob Dylan song. If not if for, not you. for you. you. Oh, she nailed that song, mm-hmm. too. It was a really pretty version yep, it was. of a Dylan song. Yeah. Well, as you can imagine, given the conditions of the day, acceptance by the world of country music took a while. I think I'm very fortunate in that I'm able to do that. Very few people have been able to do that. It is now improving. But the... We were talking a moment ago about the people in Nashville not being too thrilled with me. The whole thing about that, initially a few um, people in the business, not the public, which is what would have upset me, but it was a few people in the business who were upset that I was taking away their country award. These same people are now thanking me because um, it's opened the doors to them into another world which they never had access to before. People who listen to me might now listen to a country artist and and see something in it whereas before they knew nothing about it so it's been a good thing I think that's interesting because I think acceptance in the country music industry is still a thing I think it's something that still exists especially for artists who kind of break the mold in one way or the other yeah Mm -hmm. but somebody does come along Mm -hmm. and breaks the mold and then suddenly it's as if there never was a mold right (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you know she talks about um, well the, the interviewer asked you about the outlook for country music at the time and, you know, that's a lot to expect of a young artist to make a pronouncement of that sort. But she very quickly, you know, pointed out her sort of fellow female crossover artists, people like Linda Ronstadt and Crystal Gale, as pointing the way. Tree music will be the in thing in about, you know, within 10 years. I don't think it'll be that long. <laughs> if you look at the hit parade now, pop chart, whatever you want to call it, uh, you have Crystal Gale and Dolly Parton and Linda all in the top 10. And that's a sign of something. But they are also have um, commercialized it a little. I mean, it's not as straight country. It's sort of more every man's country now, which is terrific, I think, because it's a bit of everything for everybody in there. Olivia, in this interview, also talked about the experience of making Grease. I really couldn't compare recording to making a film. I mean, with a recording, you go and you pick your songs and you go in from, you know, so many hours. But it, it's not like you have to be on and you don't have to be made up and your hair doesn't have to be done and you're not under lights and the pressures aren't there with the film you're getting up at five in the morning and you're getting home really late at night and the whole day you'll have to be looking your best and which is probably the hardest part being touched up all the time with the makeup and the hair <laughs> but it's a completely different thing I loved it because it was new for me it was a new experience and uh, the people I worked with were great and I had a good role it was very it was a simple role for me to start out in and uh was terrific but I couldn't compare the two they're both good for different reasons but singing of course is my favorite thing so and of course you do uh, recording sing in sessions the movie. I like the best yes I do yeah. mm-hmm. um, th- was that your first that wasn't your first movie was it no it was my second movie but the first one is one that I'm trying to forget uh, it was pretty awful it was well, one I did a long time ago it. isn't that a relief <laughs> for me it was done about seven years ago and it was a uh, send-up of, not a send-up, actually, it was supposed to be serious, but it appeared like a send-up. It was a space musical. The four, there were three guys and myself in a group, and they were trying to make it the new monkeys, you know. 
and it became a science fiction musical. And it was just diabolical. So I'm trying to forget that, and that was a long time ago. So I'm considering Greece as my first. <laughs> <laughs> the practice run, we don't count, yeah, right? That's great. That really changed things for her. Oh. That changed her image. They started uh, re kind of jigging her, her image and her career to suit that kind of sexy Sandy thing. Of course, there's, sa- there's Sandy 1 and then there's Sandy 2. And, um, <laughs> and her transition from Sandy 1 to Sandy 2 is similar to her transition from Olivia country to Olivia sexy pop star. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think about it. I, mean, yeah. she just, I guess to me, her image is just so kind of pristine you know yeah it's hard to think of her as saucy sandy yeah (laughs) she bonded with her co-star john travolta um but not in the way that some of the fans and many of the members of the press thought terrific he was um terrific to me i'm when i I told him this when i before i met him i was expecting him to be just like barbarino in Welcome Back, Cottis, I was expecting this really, hey, kind of guy to come in. He was so the opposite. He's very quiet and shy and very sweet. And uh, he helped me a lot in the film. Gave me a lot of support. There were a lot of rumors about you two getting together and, uh, and that sort of thing. Didn't, uh, are you and Lee back together again? Uh, nothing happened between you and John, did it? No, uh, th- that was something trumped up by the, uh, the gossip papers. And... We knew it would be because as soon as you work with somebody and we were playing boyfriend and girlfriend in the movie and we spent time together because he became a good friend of mine, you know. So it was something I expected and it was a bit of a laugh actually because I haven't had that kind of publicity before. There you go. They're always going to hook up two co-stars to create a little bit of buzz for sure. Now here she talks very seriously about being taken seriously. I, you know, I hate talking about my looks because it's an embarrassing question for me anyway. I think a lot of girls have the problem that if, if you're slightly attractive, then you must be stupid. Um, it's beauty, you know, the dumb blonde oh, yeah. syndrome, which still exists. Um, I don't have a hang-up about it. I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm fully aware of my capabilities, so I can't be fooled into thinking that I'm terrific if I'm not. It's something I know when I am doing a good job and when I'm not. And as, as far as if people are taking me seriously or not, I think I'm a fairly good judge of character and you can work that out for yourself after a while. I mean, on initial impact, it's probably quite likely that that's, you know, that's all it is. But if you get to know somebody, you're going to know what their true values are. Yeah. Who are your, um, who are your movie idols? Movie idols? I used to have them when I was younger. I don't seem to have them as much anymore. I have people that I really like to look at a lot. Or Victoria Gassman, I think, is terrific. You know, the Italian actor from... He did a lot of the Vertmore movies and stuff like that, and I like uh, Redford used to be my idol. I haven't met him yet. I want, I'd like to meet him someday. And who else do I like now? I like um, Al Pacino and um, what's the other one? The other um, De Niro. Yeah, De Niro. Well, the Italian stars I like. Uh, oh, there's so many fine actors around. I, I would be very hard to. You know, pinpoint one. I, but I do really like people like uh, Cary Grant and uh, that school. Cary Grant. <laughs> go, go figure, huh? Oh, man. I loved Cary Grant. I love Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and Bogey, of course. Jeez, that's great stuff. Well, she shares your love for the golden age of For sure. Time. 
Tom, needless to say, a huge loss to the music world was the passing earlier this year of Aretha Franklin. There will only ever be one Queen of Soul. Mm -hmm. And we were so blessed by her gifts as a singer and interpreter of popular music. I saw her twice at Roy Thompson Hall in the 2000s, and I have literally never been as excited to see someone live as I was the first time I saw Aretha. Oh, oh for and sure. And our 10-year-old daughter knew all about her music, and we brought her along too. And it was so great for her to witness and experience greatness right in front of her eyes. And boy, Aretha did not disappoint. She was such a powerful singer. And, you know, she has such a long legacy of, you know, her music. And also, I don't think people really appreciated what an amazing musician she was. Along with her sister, Carolyn Franklin, um, they did a lot Mm -hmm. of arranging themselves. And they were talented. And, you know, to me, there was nothing more beautiful than seeing Aretha play the piano and doing it so well and her singing her soul out, you know? And um, I'm just, I actually do honestly believe that she's the greatest singer of the rock and roll generation. Right with you, Tom. This clip that we have um, is—it's interesting. It's from a, a much earlier interview. Are you? Do you have any idea when it was recorded? I'm guessing late '60s, early '70s. Well, if you've heard Aretha talk in an interview, I mean, she has a distinctive, undeniable personality, and she was the same person from the earliest parts of her career right to the end. Here, it's a kind of a low-key moment with Aretha. But if you listen to what she's saying, it's a true statement of independence in answer to the question, what does success mean to her? Um, it's meant security, mm-hmm. definitely. And more or less um, security in the sense that I'm doing for myself and not being dependent mm-hmm. upon my family, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm more or less, it's given me that. And... Um, just the enjoyment of recording and mm. being on the stage and the different things that happen. The good things and the gold records. And, and the new clothes. <laughs> yeah, the trophies and what have you. Yeah. All these, you know, mm. beautiful things. Mm. And very... the sense of accomplishment. Great stuff from the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, as we just about wrap up another episode of Famous Lost Words. And this is the last episode. Not of the show but of the wisdom of Dave. Ever since, I think it's about episode nine, we've been playing Words of Wisdom from David Lee Roth from 1984, basically as he was just about ready to leave Van Halen. And this is the last clip that I can find that's worthy of being put into the wisdom of Dave. And on this clip, he finally addresses the rumor and scandal that was the brown M&M story that Van Halen was well known for. You know this story, Christopher. It's one of the most famous rock star riders in history. And riders, of course, are the demands that rock stars make on their contracts for their tours. And it became the legendary example of rock star excess. But there was a real reason for putting the brown M&Ms in the Van Halen rider. And I'll tell you what that is in a second. But back then, David Lee Roth was just putting it down to one of the many superstitions that he had. That's just an old... It's just one of those things like whistling in the mm-hmm. backstage area. You're not supposed to whistle in the backstage area. That's bad luck. I don't know. I don't know if you have any of those little uh, eccentricities, whatever you idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. I, I always put my right shoe on first, but my the first sock I put on is my left one. The things have been going very well for me in the last decade. Or th- 
No, I do a lot of things like that. And brown M&Ms is only one of them. It's just because people made such a big stink about it that it became, you know, the forefront of the news, made it to the front page of the Inquirer, you know. And uh, it's, it says right there in the contract, it's in plain as day, it's in black and white. We pay for the privilege of having it there. We pay for the little old lady with the plastic gloves who picks the brown ones out and puts them into a bowl and takes them outside the building. It says there in the contract, if we find some in the dressing room, then we have the option of either not doing the show and receiving full pay or destroying the backstage area, which I have found much more therapeutic. I love those segments. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, you know. So did you hear that? The real reason that they actually put the brown M&Ms in the rider is because they never felt like the rider was being read. And this was a way of proving that point. No brown M&Ms, nobody reading the contract. Actually, the whole thing is pretty smart. Now, of course, David Lee Roth left Van Halen within a few months of this interview, which we have cleverly edited for your listening pleasure and your own personal safety because too much David Lee Roth has been shown to be very bad for your system. I will now work hard to find more clips in the archives, but for now, that appears to be the very last episode of The Wisdom of Dave. Okay, and that does it for this week's edition of Famous Lost Words. I'm Tom Jokic. And I'm Christopher Ward. Don't forget, you can get caught up with past episodes of Famous Lost Words on the iHeartRadio app. You can also follow us on Facebook, Famous Lost Words, and on Twitter, at Famous Lost Pod. Thanks very much to Adam Karsh for producing the show. Take care. Talk to you next time.